Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Well, it is a privilege to be here with you all this morning. We are going to look at a passage from Acts chapter 8. It's an incredible, an incredible set of scripture. It is amazing, and I hope that God speaks to you today through it. It's Acts chapter 8. I'll read the first eight verses. That's where we will spend our time this morning. So as you turn there, I'm going to read starting in verse 1. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Acts chapter 8, verse 1 says this, And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church. And entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Amen. In our passage today, we are looking at three men. A martyr. A murderer. And a man who was used by God to transform a city. Just in these eight verses, we see persecution and lamentation and celebration. We see fear and hatred. Death and imprisonment, evil forces, evil men. We also see love and honor. We see courage, we see devotion. We see God doing miracles, healing people, and joy. What do all these things have in common? What holds all these things together? The emotions and the events and the peoples and the actions. What ties it all together? What gives it purpose? Jesus Christ. Jesus the Christ gives it meaning. I hope that's true of your life. You're going to go through some chaotic times. You're going to struggle. You're going to have some fears. You're going to have some victories, some celebrations. I hope that those things have meaning to you because you follow Jesus. That you read his word and that his commands 
you love. They give you life when you obey what he says. And that you know he loves you and he's for you. And no matter what you're going through, he's with you. That your entire world makes sense when you're a Christian. The way you look at everything should make sense because you follow Jesus. Like when you look up to the sky, you don't just see space. Space is empty, right? No meaning. But when you look up to the sky, you see the heavens. You see the sun and the moon declaring the glory of God. When you go through your regular day, maybe you see someone who's struggling. Maybe you see someone who's lame and disabled. What do you see? You don't look at them and say, just a a mammal called man, just another member of a species that will eventually go extinct like all other species and be replaced by some other species, on and on and on. You see someone created in the image of God. You see someone who was made by God to have a relationship with him for eternity. What happens when chaos comes into your life? Something tragic happens in your life. Someone dies that you were close to. You don't lose hope and joy. You don't become bitter and angry and shake your fist at the universe. How can you be so cruel to me? You know the world is dark and evil. You know that. And you know that you will walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but you know that Jesus is with you. And you know that darkness does not have the final say. God sent Jesus into this world as the light of the world to push back the darkness. And he's making a new heavens and a new earth. And someday you will enter that new heavens and new earth. He will welcome you into his kingdom. And he will wipe away every tear. And you'll look back on your time on earth and all the chaos all the tragedy, you will find meaning because you will see Christ was with you and Christ was at work in those moments. From our text today, I want us to see this main idea here, the big idea. In the midst of chaos, Christ does his best work. In the midst of chaos, He's not just working, he's doing his best work. We're going to see that in this passage today as we look at three men. Stephen, murdered because he was a Christian. Saul, evil, evil man. He hates Christians. Philip barely escapes with his life. His friend Stephen is killed, and so he flees Jerusalem, and he goes to Samaria, and he starts preaching the gospel there, and God blesses his ministry. It's amazing. So let's look at Stephen. Stephen was a great man. He was a very great man. The Bible describes him earlier in the book of Acts. He was full of faith in the Holy Spirit. I mean, Stephen, he outshined many Christians. That's why we know about him. He's worth writing about. He was wise. He was full of grace and power. 
he had a special way about him. When he entered the room and he interacted with people, they were blessed. They, they grew closer to Jesus because of him. That's why he and six other men were set apart to be ministers to the widows. Don't you just think the men who were looking for her are amazing? We're going to set them apart to minister to the widows. Those are pretty godly men, right? That's Stephen. He cared for the widows. He was a great debater. You couldn't, you couldn't pin this guy down. He knew what he was talking about, and he stood his ground, and he spoke so well and so wise. Like, this guy's awesome. I want my daughter to meet a guy like this guy. That's the kind of godly man I, I have in mind. But the Jewish authorities hated him. And they killed him. The Bible says the day he spoke to those men, he, he was brought before that Jewish council called the Sanhedrin. And they asked him to give an account. He preaches this amazing sermon. It said his face was like the face of an angel. I don't really know what that looks like, but I know it's really good. And then they stone him, and while they're stoning him, he's praying to God to forgive them for the murder they're committing. What a godly man. It had to be a great loss to the church there when he died. I mean, we know that people loved him. Look at verse 2 with me. It says, devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. Listen to me. Godly men bury godly men. Godly men weep and cry and mourn over the godly men that were their friends. Godly men bury godly men. Who will bury you? When I think of Stephen's death, I think of a friend of mine who's a fellow army chaplain. He died last year because of COVID. He was awesome. He was amazing. His name was Andrew Petrasco. And he was a blessing to anyone he met. What a loss to the Army Chaplain Corps to lose someone like him. I was honored to lead his memorial ceremony. I gave the eulogy. I just want to read a little bit of what I said. I said this. It's an old, it's an old Christian idea that being near the sick brings you closer to God. Chaplain Petrasco served as a hospital chaplain and so lived out that old Christian idea every day. But in August of 2021, the situation reversed for him. He became the one who was sick, yet full of God's love, while others were duty-bound to care for him. The last conversation I had with him was on the phone while I was at our battalion's annual training. Chaplain Petrasco was in the ICU. He asked me, how much longer the training would last. I told him until next Friday. He then said he would try to visit us at the end of the training if he got out of the hospital. I was moved at this. Here's a man who is in the ICU. 
and his desire is to be with soldiers, to serve them and to support their spiritual needs. Leo Leo Tolstoy once wrote, No illness can stop you from fulfilling your duty. If you can't fulfill it through work, fulfill it by setting an example of loving patience. This fits Chapman Petrasco perfectly. He never saw his illness as the end of his duty. He used every opportunity to honor his God and help his fellow man. That's what I said. And I meant it. Someday, someone will speak at your funeral. Someday, someone will carry your body away. And I pray that it will be an honor and a privilege for them to serve you at your funeral and serve your family. Because they know how much you loved Jesus. And they know how much you loved your fellow Christians. So when you think of Stephen, remember how godly he was. Remember how Christ was with him, even in the midst of such a horrible death. Remember how godly men honored him after he died. And remember Psalm 116, 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Let's look at Saul. Let's look at this man, Saul. It says in verse 1 of chapter 8 that Saul approved of his execution. Saul was there when Stephen was killed and he cheered it on. He wanted Stephen to be killed. And it says in verse 2, And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And Saul was a leader in this persecution. It says in verse 3, Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. And he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Think of that image. Ravaging the Christian community. Ravage is a very strong word. He's doing everything he can to subvert, to destroy, to stamp out the Christians in Jerusalem because they believe Jesus is the Messiah. He was a very evil man. But his story isn't over. I'm sure most of you know the story of Saul. God has the power to overwhelm him with grace. He has the power to overwhelm Saul with truth. To overwhelm him with the presence of Jesus. And we will learn about that. And God will use this man, Saul, to spread the message of the gospel throughout all the world. I want us to think about Saul for a minute. And think about how he hated Christians. People hate Christians. Not everyone, but there are people who do. They hate you. And they're plotting ways to subvert Christians. People are plotting to murder Christians. So 
Be on your guard. But I need you to ask yourself, as I ask myself this, do you hate Christians? I love Christians, you're thinking. What do you mean? I'm in church. I love Christians, I just don't like the ones I go to church with. I like the ones who write my favorite books. I like the ones who live in foreign lands going through very difficult times. I like the dead ones that I read about in history. I like the ones who tweet things I agree with or post things on Facebook that I agree with. I just don't like that woman in my Bible study. She's so annoying. I don't like that man who offended me. I wish someone would confront him. I wish something would happen to him and show him his place. I'm so angry, I'm never coming back to church. I'm going to a different one. Look at your own heart as we think about Saul. Over the past year, look at your thoughts, your feelings. Have you hated any Christian, even just one? It is easy to love Christians when they're just ideas in your head. It is much more difficult to love Christians when you spend time with them. Kind of like family. (laughs) The Bible says this. 1 John 3.15 Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So maybe... You and I are a lot more like evil Pharisees than we care to admit. So when you think of Saul today, remember the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. He says this in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So that's Saul. Let's look at Philip, the last person here in our text. The persecution in Jerusalem It's caused all the Christians except the apostles to flee. And they scatter, it says, throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. That's very important to recognize where they're going. Do you remember Acts chapter 1 verse 8? Jesus says this. Can we read this out loud please together? I want us to read this mission statement that carries through the rest of the book of Acts. Okay, so read this out loud with me. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So here in chapter 8, verse 1, where are the Christians scattered? Judea and Samaria. So I hope you're starting to see that there's purpose, there's meaning, there's significance behind even the persecution. God's mission is still going. Verse 4 says, 
Now, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. It's a very important word here. It's translated here in the English Standard Version as preach. It it's it's literally means announce good news. Same word for evangelize. Evangelize means to announce good news. Any good news. Announce good news. The Greek version of the Old Testament uses it a lot. And one way it's used is, is when you announce a victory in a battle. You're side one. You're going around reporting, proclaiming the good news. The victory is won. The victory is won. Someone has won a victory on your behalf. There's something different about it. I love this example um, that I think illustrates maybe the feelings and emotions that could go through people's heads when they hear this kind of good news. The most recent holiday added to the federal holiday calendar is Juneteenth. And it's an incredible story. It marks the day where African Americans celebrate the end of slavery. So I'm going to tell you briefly the story. I think it's something pretty incredible. Civil War, 1860s. In 1863, President Lincoln, he gives the um, um, Emancipation Proclamation, declaring all the slaves in the southern states are free, but they're in war, so it's not being put in effect. Union wins, 1865, that proclamation goes into effect. But in Texas, there wasn't a lot of Union uh, presence. It's a southern state. And so things are still going on as usual, as if the war was, not, was still going on. So the slaves were still slaves, and everyone was still living that way. Until the Union army shows up in June, June 19th is where we get the word Juneteenth from. And uh, they enter... And this man, General Gordon Granger, with his troops, he enters Texas and he reads General Orders number three. And he says this, The people of Texas are informed that in accordance with a proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. What an amazing thing to learn if you were a slave there, right? 250,000 something of that number, slaves were finding out that they were free that the union won, that slavery is over, and he's there to tell them the good news, that they're free. The following year, 1866, is when the freedmen and women in Texas started celebrating that holiday, and then it would spread across the rest of the United States until just last year, it's now an official holiday. It's an amazing story. That's what the Christians were doing. They were proclaiming God has won a victory, the victory, over sin and death. And everyone who hears the message of the gospel can receive salvation. They can enter his kingdom. They can have their sins forgiven. And they were proclaiming that throughout Judea and Samaria. This is what Jesus taught his apostles to do. This is what the apostles have taught the disciples to do. Down and down and on through thousands of years of church history, we are taught the same thing That's what we need to be doing, is proclaiming what Jesus has done. So Philip, now remember, Philip was one of the seven chosen with Stephen. They knew each other. They were there when the apostles laid hands on the seven and prayed. 
and Stephen was murdered, and so all the people fled Jerusalem, including Philip. He's on the run. And so Philip goes to Samaria, and God uses him to bring the gospel to Samaria. So this is what we read about him. Verse 5, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. What an amazing ministry. He preached, and they listened. Don't you wish people listened to you when you talked about Jesus? They paid attention. That's what it says. Don't you wish your kids listened to you you when you talk to them? You may say, well, hey, if I share the gospel, and I could do miracles, people would listen. You're probably right. I agree with you. So pray that God would work miracles through you. People are open to the miraculous, to signs and wonders. Just last month, I was getting my hair cut by this barber, rough character, grew up in a rough part of New York. Had some rough jobs. Now he's a barber. And he's telling me a story. And then he asked me, what do you do? I'm a pastor. And then he starts telling me things that he thinks God's doing in his life. It's like, listen, me and my wife, we've been trying to conceive. And we just can't. And then we go through something and we get separated. And then I find out during that separation, she's pregnant. That's a sign from God for us to be together. That's why we should be together. We've been trying to figure out, should we stay together? Now that she's having my child, that's from God. I didn't perform a miracle. All I did was say, hey, I'm a pastor. All you got to do is say, yeah, I'm a Christian. And just see what people say. People are open to the supernatural. I mean, the lame wasn't walking after that conversation, you know. All God needed to do to get his attention was, was that. I mean, that's actually pretty amazing. I can't say, that's pretty, that is a miracle. But God knows what it will take to reach someone. Christ does his best work in the midst of chaos. It could be your chaos, it could be someone else's chaos. Chaotic times can be negative could be positive, you're moving, you're having a kid, you're, you know, there's all kinds of things that happen in our lives that throw us off our routine. But just looking at verses, the verse, verse, verse five, first eight, oh, let's start over. The first eight verses of chapter eight, Christ was working miracles in the most chaotic situations. So Philip was going through a chaotic time in his life, okay? So let's just think one more time about Philip. Let's think from his perspective, okay? This is Philip. This is what he learns. His best friend is killed. Now they're coming for me and my family, and now I have to flee 
have to leave Jerusalem and go to somewhere, Samaria? What's going to happen to me there? This is what he does. He's like, all right, I'm going to put on the armor of God. I'm going to put on the armor of God. I'm going to put on shoes. If you know the armor of God, the shoes are, are, are beautiful feet that bring good news. I'm going to put on my shoes. I'm going to take the shield of faith. Right? I'm going to promise that, that I'm going to believe in God's promises and God's power that he's going to do something. I'm going to take out the sword of the Spirit. I'm going to sharpen it up real sharp. And I'm going to charge into that Samaritan city because it's ruled by dark forces and I'm going to free them from the enemy. I'm going to pray that, that light will drive out darkness. That the Spirit of God would fall upon this city. And that people will turn from their wicked ways and believe in Jesus and that great joy would break out in this city. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. And guess what? He did that. And God blessed his ministry. And he must have thought of those words of Jesus, right? but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Let's pray. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out